Okay, we got to talk Ted Lasso. I don't yeah. think we have yet on the podcast. I don't think so. Are Which you a Ted crazy. Lasso watcher? Oh my gosh. Are you, Joe? Which, by the way... Big lead to ask Just okay. watched the, the last season yesterday. Okay. same so fresh. here. What? So we were like late too. We were a yeah. little late. Well, we just took... A, we went through it too slow. We're always like, it gets to the evening. Yeah. Kids to bed. We're like, do you have it in Ted? Uh, no, do you? No. It feels like an investment. You got to be you like... you want to enjoy it. I want to. Yeah, I don't want to have it's it. emotional. It's like, you got to actually have the energy for watching. I would say I feel that, that you like want to enjoy it more than any other. Yes, True. I agree. Okay. So here's what I wanted to call out though, since, you know, we are coaches and all. Did you guys take note of how they really, I think there were a lot of like cultural moment type of things they wove into the, the storylines. But maybe one of the biggest ones was um, like de demystifying therapy and mental mm -hmm. health. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting because like mental health obviously is a big topic, but they really focused on demystifying therapy. They mm -hmm. showed us like the, a Some therapist. Therapy. Yeah. They showed us the insides of a of a mm -hmm. meeting of a mm -hmm. therapy session. They talked about it a lot, and then the part that I loved, I wanted to bring up was. I think it's the second to last episode. There's this scene where Ted, Ted's mom is there mm -hmm. and he gets really pissed at her. Yeah. And it's kind of like the coolest, weirdest scene. It's like, it, I know this is why the show is genius. They show this moment where he's like really mad and he's like dropping F-bombs at her. You remember this? Yeah. Oh, and it, he's like yeah. really mad because he's like, mom, how come you didn't work on yourself? He was mad that she hadn't. Because right before that, they had shown a scene where like he suggested therapy because it's been a very core thing for him for and his him. whole team, yep. which is, you know, ironic because it's athletes to begin with. And then it's like, then he, he suggests it to her and she like shuts it down immediately Yeah, because, you know, typically her generation is more like that's a, um, there's a, what do you call it? It's like a stigma. Stigma. Thank mm -hmm. you. There's like a stigma around therapy. Mm -hmm. Whereas to the younger generations, it's like, no, that's no, just part of our no daily life. Like there's no stigma. <laughs> it's actually like a good thing. We talk about it all the time. So I just found that so interesting and like cool. I was actually mm -hmm. kind of, I wanted to like stand up and clap. I was like, yeah, I, I love they did that scene because it did some demystifying, but I think it showed more of the real, like how we what all happens? feel about it. And, and I really also just loved how she didn't get mad, by the way. She, that was really fascinating. It was like, she was like, anyway, it was such a like, this is yeah. not actually about the anger that I'm seeing. It's actually some something much, much more. Do you agree? Like, I felt, I might be wrong, but I felt in the moment, like, in only a way that a mother could. Yeah, right. You know, like, yeah. anyone else would, like, fight back. You what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But there's such a deep love and understanding yep. and, like, almost appreciating that he's, like, saying this thing he's yeah, felt. Yeah, I loved it. The whole scene was like, yeah. I just couldn't stop thinking we about it. We could do a Ted Lasso like episode here because I could also talk about, I just want to say one thing. I love the way that Ted Lasso made everybody a better person. In general, yeah. everyone on yeah. that who he interacted with in three years was a better person because they interacted with him. And I thought to myself, I so want to mm. be more of that where people are interactive. They're not, they don't walk away thinking she's great. I want them to think they're great so much more. And I'm not, great at that i need to be better at that i'm with you that is really cool mm -hmm. well transitioning from that <laughs> <What's yours? laughs> let's talk about calendar blocks all right so shout out to katarina who was working on calendar blocks and i think this topic comes up for so many different reasons but the common thread is like everyone's just so overly busy mm -hmm. and what frustrates me maybe because i have 
put a lot of years of work into this and overcome a lot of it. So I'm not judging, but it's like it frustrates me when people are still stuck in it because I'm like, oh, you can get there. Come on. And the common problem is you're actually running so fast that you don't even have time to work on Mm -hmm. your calendar. So this so what was happening to Katarina was like, okay, she realized now what she needs to do, created the blocks, create set up the system, everything looks great. And then a month later, it's like, so how's it going? Hasn't even done any of it because she's been running so fast that she hasn't even had time to implement the thing. Mm-hmm. And then you add the layer of she has an admin and like didn't even have time to talk with the admin about it. So things were actually getting the whole process was actually causing more problems Mm -hmm. because the admin was like doing some things wrong because it wasn't they didn't ever even talk about how it should work Uh, and so i guess the shout out is just like she kind of owned up to that realized yeah i gotta i gotta actually take a step back and create time for this yeah and the mindset shift you know how it always comes back to the mindset or the belief it was like believing that it's actually worth the time absolutely because the belief going on in the background for her is no no no, i gotta i gotta constantly churn and respond to emails Mm -hmm. or else right so that was the shift yeah um uh, another shout out this is someone i was working with around um, life vision was uh we were going through the different categories uh you know there's kind of seven different life categories and he had this like really exciting vision stuff for each category and it was really energizing him he leads a whole company so it's like this stuff is really important right now. And, um, and then we got to the relationships and specifically marriage category. And he's like, I got nothing. <laughs> he was just stumped. And he said it to me. He's like, I just don't even know what to put here. Like, I think we've been together so long. We're just kind of like <laughs> humming along. We have right. a good relationship. It's, yeah. Things are fine, but I don't know what to put here. Huh. And so I was like, would you like some suggestions? Well, based on everything I had heard from him, I was like, what if, you know, the time frame was 10 years out? What if 10 years from now we got together and you were telling me like our marriage feels like we're dating again? Mm -hmm. Like it's so exciting. I actually get butterflies like before going out on a date with her (laughs) and we like flirt, you know, there's like these things that. Yeah. And it's so funny because I was I was like saying it out loud, also getting excited like, man, I want that for myself, too. And and we were like starting to get giddy about it and he was starting to get excited about it and so he was like yes that's the thing and um it turned into this really fun conversation awesome. i just love you know me and yeah the life vision that's just one of my and favorites i love that you got him to find something oh because everyone goes into like what is the point of this no. dumb yeah. exercise and <laughs> yes. then they come out with like all this energy and it's and clarity do you have a personality gripe today i do you know when you're like getting your hair cut or at the dentist or and the person is, not everyone does this, but right. maybe the more extroverted ones, they want to chat. Yeah. And you and I know how it is. They actually, what, what's happening is they feel the need to chat because they think that you want that. Absolutely. But you're in a mood where you're like, I don't want to uh, chat. I'm good with nothing. I'm going yeah. to freaking sit here and do nothing. <laughs> and this is my break. Yeah. And I never knew how to deal with that. I would always just like do what they wanted. And then it. Ashley and I were talking about it. This is a few years ago, Rick. No, wait like, a minute. Like like, we are actually we're paying. the paying customer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's been this whole funny thing for us of trying to shift it. And I had one the other day where 
the dental hygienist was just like on and on and on. And then, of course, also asking me questions right. while there's stuff in my mouth. Like, and then it was, it's like, what are we supposed to do here? And, uh, and I, it was two times in a row, that and a haircut where I, both of them, I was like, oh, I just said it. I was yeah. just like, actually, I just kind of want to sit here and not yeah. talk. Yeah. <laughs> and it felt so good. Yeah. But it was do probably helpful for them too to know what I, yeah. Do you do yeah, that? Yeah, two, two practices that I've just seen that I just love. I love it when they make it easy for us to want. Is my yes, hair guy yeah. has a little sign in front of him that has a little flip with your mood. Oh, that's I, genius. You can flip it and say, want to talk. You don't even have to say anything. You just flip or you say, quiet, it's okay. It's like a little, and you could flip. Is that genius. great? I love that. And then um, for massages, maybe this one's more common, uh -huh. but you fill it, you click before you go in, oh, want a yeah, little yeah. conversation or total silence. Yeah. And it feels like whenever I've done that, they totally respect whatever it is. That so I've we said. should do that for coaching session. Yeah. <laughs> want to talk or total silence? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, I'm thinking that maybe the dentists need to catch on here, right? <laughs> yeah. On the episode today, we have a guest interview that's going to be really fun, Angie Trueblood. And she is the founder and the leader of Podwise, which is a company that, that basically helps people promote their podcasts and more broadly helps them um, to understand how to pitch themselves and communicate what they do. So I think there's a lot of good like insights just from that part of her story, but uh, she shares a little bit about her path from you know, all kinds of diff very different jobs in the past to now being a business owner, and also some of the real struggles, like the actual struggles of running a business. And, um, and we get to kind of hear from her. Uh, she's very real and shares, uh, I think, in a very honest way. So I'm excited for that interview. I'm sitting here with Angie Trueblood, who is a good friend. We are formerly neighbors at work, and we've stayed connected. Angie, you are the founder of the Podwise Group, which is um, a company that helps people promote their podcast and learn how to... Um, talk about what they do, learn how to interview on podcasts and all kinds of cool stuff, but maybe uh, explain in your own words what you do today. Yeah, it's interesting because we also, we work with a lot of people who don't have podcasts. So it's more of a podcast marketing company to where we work with people to use podcast as their outreach strategy. So they guest on other people's shows to allow them to get in front of new audiences. Um, it's very relational based. It's very specific to the clients that we work with. Yeah. It's it's like a professional matchmaker. Ooh. Kind of. I Well, yeah. we are one of your customers that happened after we met and were neighbors. But I think that yeah. it's something that has stood out to me is, yeah, it is a world where there's a lot of people always like hitting me up on LinkedIn to help with this type of stuff. And they always feel either fake or forced or contrived. And the way you and your company do it is, you're right, it is actually really authentic, but it's also really comfortable and good. Like it, it actually feels yeah. real. Um, and you've helped us to start um, connecting with other podcasts. So, okay, yeah. tell me though, before we get into it, what was your first job? I have been working my entire life and I don't, I probably started this job before I was 16 because I think I remember my mom dropping me off. She got me a job at an eye doctor's, like a solo eye doctor's office. And I would go in after hours and I would call his book of business to get them to schedule their appointments. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> 
And I'm like, how how did I actually do that as a 15, 16 year old? <laughs> I did. That is hilarious just now because it's all through text and stuff. Um, yeah. Did you yeah, know? It was be- like a paper. Did you know before day one that that's what the job was going to be? Or did you kind of find out? Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so I, would, I was the only <laughs> one in the office. It was basically at night. Uh-huh. It wasn't in the best part of town. I look back at it now and I'm like, how did we think this was safe or a great idea? <laughs> um, but it worked. <laughs> it was oh my, my first sales job, I guess. It is kind of sales. It's probably a yeah. safer place to learn because, yeah, you're not having to actually sell, but you're doing the same types of skills. <laughs> Yeah. And they were cold calls, but they had been patients before. So it's not like I was dialing random Mm. people seeing if they needed a checkup. Were there skills from that that you think today, like, oh, that's where I learned that? I mean, I don't know if it's a skill or just, um, I guess, a talent or a comfort with talking to people. Because really, when you're that young, you often don't have experience having those types of relationships with Mm -hmm. adults. Um, And even sitting in a little bit more, it's not like I was in a power position with them, but I was guiding the conversation and I was guiding the scheduling. So I think it helped build my confidence at a young age um, and reinforce that sales is really about communication and finding a good fit for everyone, not like hard nosing people into saying yes. That's that's actually interesting because one thing you've helped me with is, to your point, like not selling selling but when i'm i don't know at a neighborhood gathering and people like oh what do you do that question has always stumped me i've always struggled with how to answer it like in the party setting and um and i i think you're one of the people who have helped me the most at knowing how to answer that which is it's a form of selling but it's just communicating what i do in a way that's interesting to them yeah and I, I think it's like lowering the the bar that we place on ourselves when we are telling people what we do. It's so ingrained that every opportunity is a selling opportunity, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's just a conversation and that person might know someone. So if we can lead with clarity, it's hard though, because some of the work both of us do, you know, not everyone would fully understand it. So yeah. we have to make sure we, we kind of level set it with people depending on how they know us and where they are. Yeah. Okay, so fast forward to what you do now. There is a tie-in to that first job, but was mm-hmm. it was it a straighter line towards what you do now? Were there different dodges left and right? Because I think I know a little bit about, like, weren't you a biology teacher at some point? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, like my background in terms of schooling is deep in the biological sciences. So my undergrad was in biology and secondary education. Mm -hmm. My master's was in biology. I studied the ecological genetics of striped bass. Um, I did two years of a PhD program at University of Miami studying beach mice. Um, Then I taught for a little. Oh my gosh. They're an endangered species, I didn't even know that was a thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then I came back home and taught high school for a couple of years. Loved it. But I just saw the potential. I guess I was 25, 26 then. Mm -hmm. And like I had friends who were in the business world and they were buying houses, nothing elaborate. But, you know, in our late 20s, that's kind of like the next step. I was single, all my friends were, and I could not imagine on a teacher salary, like how old I would need to be to be able to afford buying a townhome for me to live in. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so then I went into pharmaceutical sales and I did that for 10 years. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. You didn't? Uh Uh-uh. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I was um, the drug rep that you see in doctor's offices for a big company. And I went around to some different... I dabbled in different therapeutic areas, which Mm -hmm. was... It kept me fresh and interested. And it was really a good fit from like the sales side of my life and the science side. Um, But I got bored because so much of the day was just driving and not really having that human interaction. Mm -hmm. Um, Then when my kids were really little, like two and four, I quit to come home and spend more time with them. And that's when I started not the business as it is today, but sort of like their precursors to it, which I can get into if you want. Yeah, I know, because people always ask, you know, you and I have done it, so we don't think it's all that interesting to like start a business from scratch when you had a job. But <laughs> yeah. you know how it is when people who haven't done that, they're so interested to hear like, but how, what was the moment you knew you wanted to do that? And how mm-hmm. did you make that shift? Like, isn't it scary? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I had always had this like entrepreneurial spirit, mm-hmm. like I remember talking to my girlfriends and they would always laugh at the different ideas, not at the ideas, but at the fact that I came up with so many ideas. I actually have a file folder of business ideas. Yes. Well, that was our first, (laughs) when we first met, it was a explosion of ideas meeting. And then at the end, you know, I was picturing like some other person sitting there being like, what the hell just happened? (laughs) (laughs) I love it that we don't, I mean, we do have niceties. We're like, hi, how's the family? Okay, let's get down to business. Anyway, Um, ideas. Yeah. Yeah. But when I, I mean, and I think this is specific to women sometimes leaving the traditional workforce is, and even just where we are in our lives in terms of economically, like my husband and I were not in a position where I could just give up that type of career and not make any money to come home. Mm -hmm. So I actually started in direct sales, which love it or hate it. Um, For me, it was a really great bandaid and a bridge to entrepreneurship because I could sell someone else's product. Like I could tackle the marketing, I could tackle the selling and the customer support without having to do all of the backend stuff from scratch. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of, it allowed me to even get more into that entrepreneurial space and and recognize opportunities. Okay, but for you, what was, can you pinpoint the driver? Like, I think there's a lot of different types of motivations for starting your own thing, being entrepreneurial. Do you know what was the biggest one for you? Yeah, I was super bored. Uh-huh. Um, I get bored really, really easily. And that's one thing as an entrepreneur, like I've had to start recognizing when I'm flexing because I'm bored um, and when there's actually a reason that I should be flexing. Hmm. Um, So for me, in the um, pharmaceutical world, I had actually um, negotiated to go down to four days a week. And my boss was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take you as many days as you will give us. And then once I had Henry, I tried to negotiate down to three days a week my immediate boss was super fine, like cool with that. She's like, again, I will take you however you can show up uh-huh. for us. But higher management wouldn't let me. Mm. And so hmm. I look back on it and she even, we're still really good friends to this day. And she's like, 
I think we did you a, a service in not going to three days because at some point you would have still wanted to go. Yeah. Um, so I really think it was just I needed more flexibility in terms of ideas that I could actually implement. Um, yeah. If that and makes it's, sense. Well, and to me, it's impressive that someone like you who has lots of ideas has has focused on something like very niche. Um, I don't know if you might not feel that, but I look at it and I go, ooh, what's so nice about your business is it's a very specific thing. And, you know, I'll like send people your way sometimes and it's so easy to say, this is what it is. And, you know, this is why you probably need their help. But maybe just explain to people a bit about like, what do you, what is it that you're doing now? I don't know, kind of day Mm -hmm. in the life and, and where are you headed next with it all? Yeah. Even if there's stuff outside of your core business that you're thinking about. Yeah. So we've definitely evolved. I mean, I started basically as a freelancer and then just when I got busy, I would add more people on. Um, We've dabbled in having a course and a membership, which is where our first connection exploded. Yeah. Um, But I've really, I've shut that down. Like back in January of 2023, I just recognized the size of business that we are and the level of support that I have on my team, it doesn't warrant me having two very different business models, which is what the client work side, where we actually work one-on-one with clients to get them placed on podcasts or to develop their strategy. Like that's one part of our business. And then the other part of it was a course slash membership that taught people how to pitch themselves. And I was the only one really doing anything on that end of the business. And even though it was profitable, which I know a lot of people are like, oh, I would love to have a membership that brought in a couple thousand dollars extra a month. It was pulling me in too many different directions. And so this year we've really focused in um, the client side, which was really scary in the beginning of the year because Uh we took a dip in revenue and I it really messed with my mind, if yeah. I'm being candid, in a way that I have never experienced as a business owner. But now we've really like popped back and we're our revenue is higher than even when we had the the membership. It just man, that was a rough go of it as a business owner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I feel for you. That is tricky. Yeah. Um and it's hard so, to that's where we are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have thoughts about where you're headed next? Yeah, it's really building out the team and getting me in a position of more of focused solely on business development and team development. Um, So the business model will likely stay the same. We've toyed with the idea of adding podcast production in-house, but That's a really, so what we do, and you know a bit about it, it is very project management heavy. There are lots of moving pieces to pitching people and getting them scheduled and all of that. Mm -hmm. And the idea of bringing on podcast management and podcast production, which is equally project management heavy, it just now is definitely not the time. So we've actually been partnering with some production companies and we're working right now in a white label capacity with a pretty big company pitching their clients, but they just wrap it into the contract. Oh, cool. Which, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really interesting. So we're testing that out too. So it's just shoring up the team and then figuring out, are there other ways for us to grow our network and our book of business that don't necessarily involve 
expanding to a giant team yeah or a multi-layered team yeah is really what it is that's cool it's fun to watch it you're like doing so awesome with those different like pivots and growth because yeah we did kind of meet in the middle of covid small business life where everything was dire um (laughs) do you ever miss the biology stuff at all yeah i mean i just i'm a science geek i'm kind of a math geek um I get it through my kids now. Like I did homeschool one year of COVID. And I remember when my daughter went into math, she was like, this is so easy. This is all the stuff you taught me last year. And I'm like, I know because I love math. (laughs) So I miss it, but I don't think it's something, you know, I'll ever pivot back to. Yeah. There's like ways that you, I think that's why we geeked out on membership. We both had that science brain. That's like the fun, it's fun to build the business and tinker with it. Yeah. And some, some people find that part like, frustrating just annoying or tiring like i could build five of them yeah well i'm a fan of your podcast so so also just like say a little about that because people might want to check it out i well here's my plug at first Mm -hmm. i thought oh yeah it's about you know people who have podcasts learning how to pitch better no Mm -hmm. it's actually for anybody i've actually sent it to some people that are just trying to figure out like how to introduce themselves like my example or how to kind of um you know present ideas in their in their job. But what would you say about it? And say the name of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the name of it is Go Pitch Yourself. Um, it's We've been in production over three years, over 100 episodes. And it, it initially started in a way where we were teaching people how to pitch themselves to be guests on podcasts. It was really a lead in to the membership community. But it has since evolved. We do have podcasters on and we talk about podcasts, but we've also had some series like I had Shannon Siriano Greenwood on to talk about pitching sponsors for live events. So I, that is sort of the next thing on my list is to figure out the pivot of the show, because since we've shut down the membership, I want to make sure the content of the podcast guides people into working with us, not always, but that it really complements that we're client-based. Um, so I need to figure it out. But yeah, we had an interview a couple of months ago. I don't know if you heard it. Um, you know, there's some podcasts that charge to have a guest come on mm-hmm. and not a lot of people are talking about it other than complaining about it, which uh-huh. I have been guilty of. Um, but I have a friend who paid $2,500 to be on John Lee Dumas's show I was like, will you come on and let me ask you all the questions? <laughs> he was like, yes. Yeah. Um, so it's a really fun space. So definitely listener. Um, even if you're not in podcasting, I think it could be really eye-opening. Or if you're, because we have a lot of people who listen who are maybe dabbling with an idea on the side, trying to start something on the side, thinking about doing their own thing. And they're kind of in between those worlds. They're not just like yeah. working at a company or just an entrepreneur. And I think... I've noticed on your podcast, you also talk with people and interview people who um, yourself and them have a lot of that mix going on, trying to balance the different things or learning how to start your company while you also have other things going on. So I think that that's even I've had takeaways in that space from listening to your interviews. But it's definitely like we want to wrap in the whole person. Um, I mean, I've shared before at different stages along the journey, I've applied to jobs and like moments of weakness. And I don't think there's a lot of people out there talking about that, but it's if you haven't thought about going and getting a regular job as a business owner, um, 
I would love to speak to that person. <laughs> Even if it's in like the quiet of the night when you're like, would it be easier? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So Angie, I want to dive into that I that moment of when you're running a business, but you're thinking, should I just look for a job? Yeah. And uh -huh. I know we've both had multiple of them, but is there one in particular that feels like the critical moment for you? I mean, I think my most recent has been the most um, grounding and the one to where I don't think I'm going to have that experience moving forward. Um, I mean, it's literally been over the last six months, like earlier in 2023. I, I mean, I know myself from being well networked in the agency and the client space. A lot of companies saw a dip in clients at the end of 2022. Like typically January is our busiest client month and it was not this year, mm. which made me really nervous, especially as we were shutting down an entire arm of our business. Um, and I remember looking at my husband one, looking at what I pay myself, and then two, saying, you know, jobs have changed since I left the workforce. Yeah. I mean, I left, I came home in 2014. And so remote work, while online businesses were doing it, regular employers were not. And I said, I could be earning a lot more money than I am <laughs> earning now at a regular job, mm -hmm. and I could probably still be remote. Mm -hmm. And so... I explored that. Um, I also explored selling the company to see if there was a buyer, you know, thinking, okay, I could sell it and then go get a job. And there were all of these like stop points that I think was God looking out for me. Like I am not quite done yet because I had a job that I had thought would be a dream job. I actually got into the interview process. And as I learned more of it, I'm like, I don't, think that would be a job that I am interested in. Um, and I don't think I would be paid what I am worth. Uh -huh. And it ended up not working out, which was great. And so I actually had an experience earlier this year, too, where I hurt my back, just old age, like nothing monumental. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Oh, my back is really hurt for like three weeks. Yeah, because I slept um, <laughs> wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a story. Um, and my team was able to deliver for the clients. I mean, you were one of our clients then, and I don't think you even knew nope. that I was kind of out for a bit because the team was running so seamlessly. We ended up booking like three new clients when I was only plugged in a little bit. And it just reinforced in me, like, you've got this, like you can build this um, to whatever it is that you want to build it to. And I don't think I'm going to flex in that direction moving forward mm -hmm. because I've let myself kind of go there mentally mm -hmm. to see what it might look like. And I just, it's not my time. Yeah, I know. I've had similar times where it also driven by the money challenge and the money question. Like, yeah. ooh, well, I could just, I mean, I can make this base my schedule. I could just work a part-time job and then like, you know, just have mm -hmm. a, a steady income stream. But I've also had the follow-up thought that's similar, which is, yeah, but then that divides your attention. And in some ways, mm -hmm. it diminishes your commitment to what you're building. For sure. And it is, yeah. a, but it's a weird thing to wrestle with because when you have a job, it's, I mean, the world's different now. So people do have like a, a portfolio of jobs sometimes, but at least for your, 
for me and it sounds like for you when I was in different jobs, that wasn't even an option on the table. So. Mm -mm. Yeah. And I think for me, as I evaluated it, I looked at what it's actually forced me to get more intentional with our own business finances. Um, you and I both sometimes live in the online business space where you hear about making investments in coaches, which I think is really worthwhile. Um, the vast majority of the time when you do your due diligence, there's courses out there which can really be worthwhile mm -hmm. when you do your due diligence. But I think I wasn't prioritizing building up like a savings for the business. Yeah. And I've since started doing that and I've given myself a raise and I've, you know, like I've really looked at the finances in a way that I never had before looking for sustainability long-term. And I think that's because that switch like finally flipped of you got this. Yeah. You just got to do the work. Yeah. That's really cool. I, I've also noticed in a similar way, one of the fun things can also be hard and scary, but one of the fun things about owning and building a business is you can you can do anything with the financial picture. <laughs> like yeah. there are different ways to approach it. There are different things to do with the money. There's different ways to slice and dice it. And there's not just one answer. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that at first. I wasn't even thinking about that question until I started realizing like, oh, there's different ways to, to slice this. And yeah. it almost, um, yeah, it actually made it a little more hopeful because you can be intentional to make it a certain way. It's not just about like, well, here are these dollars I have and what do I do with it? Yeah. Is it working or not? Yes or no. It's not, it's not actually that yeah. finite as a yes or no. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. What, like, what was that like to navigate the idea of, and then doing the giving yourself a raise part of it? I mean, that part was great. Um, I always tell my husband, I'm like, I have the best boss. She really sees the value in what I bring to the table and she is paying me for it. Um, I mean, there have been times, so we have a couple, we have two other employees on the team and then some contractors. And one thing that I did when I hired back in the fall was I made sure that who we brought on had the capacity to work like 25 hours a week at least, which was sort of like the biggest chunk of time anyone would ever be working for us. And what I am seeing now is that I really like having someone that is super committed to us. And so my goal is to not grow the team like width wise, but to grow them depth uh -huh. wise to where they are giving more to us and I can give more back to them. And even um, as we were looking and booking more clients over the summer, I'm having to check in with them to say like, how are you feeling? Are you overwhelmed? Because we are taking on more clients than we have before. Um, so it's really, for me, it's juggling the workload. Um, but I think knowing that I'm fully committed, I've said yes to clients that previously I probably would not have stacked on top of each other because I know we'll figure it out. Yeah. Right? So, and what are you that's doing? That's stressful, but in a good way. It's stressful in a good way. And I guess I'm curious, what are you doing to prevent, like you said, that, that low point of maybe I should just get a job. You're not going to go mm -hmm. back to that. Like, what are you, what are you doing different? to hedge against that or to kind of make sure yeah. because I'm thinking of similar things with greenhouse where I learned a lot of good lessons in, from the pandemic, especially financially, a lot of opportunity. And it was like, okay, <laughs> there are some approaches I'm taking 
So that, that is not going to happen again. The savings buffer is one of them. Like the only reason we even survived was I had built at least a decent one because mm-hmm. I had learned that from somebody. But, uh, but now going forward, I'm building a much bigger one. So it's not that I can control the ups and downs of business. There's always going to be ups and downs. But I am not going to like... It's either going to kill the business or not, <laughs> yeah. but it's not going to be the situation I experienced before where things just get suddenly real tight. That's my example, but I'm curious for you what you're doing differently. I mean, there's not a lot of doing differently. For me, it's creating that financial stability that I don't feel like I had before. Mm-hmm. And that is pulling back on, I mean, as an idea person, I'm also a quick start. So even you and I were connecting about me renting an office space literally 24 hours ago. Yeah. Um, in between then and now, I'm like, no, that's not a good use of our funds right now. Like, I want to build up this bank of money even more before I start making investments. So I think it's not just building up the savings, but questioning myself and give, like forcing myself to take time before I invest um, so that I don't then regret it. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, it's... I feel like there's so much more I want to dive into, but it's really helpful to hear a bit of your story and see how um, those past experiences that at the time, maybe you did, you had no idea you were, <laughs> you were coming to where yeah. you are now and they are yeah. different, but you're pulling from that in the kind of problem solving in the, Hey, let's engineer this thing to work better and keep improving it. Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I'll say one more thing aside from just the financial piece of how we're running the money. I think I am learning to pivot in a way that doesn't create a totally new product that I need different people to deliver on. So I had mentioned before that we're white labeling with a podcast production company. Mm -hmm. And that is such a beautiful use of our time because it cuts down. We don't need to work. We don't have to have meetings with clients, which is where I typically get drawn in. And that's a really big position to hire for and train for. Um, I'm also looking at ways to where we can serve our clients with strategy without me needing to be, excuse me, without me needing to be on five calls a month. So I'm looking at ways that we can deliver without having to have so many different types of team members. Is that like adjusting the way that you approach kind of your calendar and the the structure of your time at all? Um. I'm, I need to, yes. Um, I think part of it is I've always been the one that's been on the every other month strategy calls with clients. And what I do is I actually give a lot of business strategy. It's not all podcast guesting. Mm-hmm. And so then when you're looking to hire, you're like, wait, I need someone who can pitch and then who can also give business strategy. Yeah. And that's just a hard ball of wax to hire for. So I'm like, well, why don't I take one of my ideas and do like a monthly or every other month meeting with all of our clients and create a strategy call where we can all interact. And then I don't need to be on a monthly or every other month call with them. Brilliant. Then the account, yeah, the account managers can just do the podcast stuff. I love it too, because this is a space you and I both live in. Why it's fun to talk to you is the intersection of client client type of business and online. And I think there's more and more of that. That's a growing space and people aren't talking about it enough because it's really tricky to manage the balance, but I think it's so worth it. And it's that, that's to me sounds like an idea that helps to fuse the, fuse them well. 
Um, mm-hmm. It helps everybody involved. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, things like you and I have both tried so many things in the membership space and it's tricky. It's really hard when you also yeah. have a, a client-based business. Yep, for sure. Well, thanks for joining uh, the podcast right. and just sharing real stuff. And I hope people check yeah. yours out, which is go pitch yourself. Yep. And the podwisegroup.com. The podwisegroup.com. What's your socials though? What's like, where should they find so you on social? Um, on LinkedIn. And I really am most active at Angie Trueblood on LinkedIn. So that's sort of my social home right now. Well, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later. We need we need a whole other episode on that, I think. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, well, thanks for coming on and sharing your story. Yeah, this is great. Thank you.